All right. Thank you, guys. Um, well, it's January 9th of 2022. Um, today is um, law, uh, law Officer Appreciation Day. So let me see a hand of all of our uh, law officers in the room. Hand up, hand up. It may just be one or two. It's okay. Hand, up high, up high so we can say thank you. Thank you, guys and ladies. Thank you so much. <laughs> we know that's... Um, that's a big deal and, is, uh, and, and has become even more of a sacrifice in many ways over the last few years, and so we really, really appreciate you guys. Um, it's also January, which means it's time for my annual head cold, and so you get to suffer through this for um, at least a week or two um, with me. I appreciate the way you guys really come alongside me when I have my annual head cold and, and, and just suffer through the sermon like I do. So um, we have a fun plan for the new year. Um, we're going to continue our conversation about being the kind of church who comes through the wilderness, the kind of church that is suffer-ready, um, the kind of church that has the right identity, the identity that God has bestowed upon us, and, um, and that's vital. And we'll, Lord willing, I will wrap that up in a sermon um, on the 30th, and I'll go ahead and tell you now, um, and, and we may talk about it some more today, depending on your responses, but um, that after the 30th, I will be taking my second sabbatical. I've been here 10 years, and so um, for the month of February and into March, I won't be here. Um, we have a cool plan where we're going to have six, um, six pastors teach six psalms um, during that time. Some of these are pastors you know, um, some of them only a few of you know or none of you know, uh, but I'm, I'm really excited to get to watch that online, and so I'll be here on the 30th, and I'll be back on March 13th, that Sunday morning, um, when Lord willing, my uncle, who is a pastor, will be preaching here um, on the 30th, and so on the 13th, and so um, we'll see. You can be praying for him. His name is Mac, and he is uh, 80 years old and uh, has retired, obviously, and is going to hopefully be here that morning to, uh, to lead us through whatever psalm he picks. Um, and so anyway, we'll, we'll talk more about that, but so this, I'll be wrapping up this conversation on the 30th. Um, on the 23rd, we'll be focusing on the role of family in regards to the church and what that means and, and why that emphasis is there um, with the church, and then uh, when we have our devoted Sunday. And then um, uh, next week, as we've been talking through, and we've done a lot more of this not on Sunday mornings um, with other things, seminars and, and weekends and conferences and that kind of stuff, and even evenings and answering questions on Wednesday night and that kind of stuff, focusing in on some of the worldview changes, and we may or may not, again, get there some this morning, that are happening in the world. Um, and so it's interesting, I've been asked to teach about that regularly over the last couple of years, um, to talk through that and teach about that. We have several of those examples on our website. You can go watch um, or on my, uh, on my personal website where I post uh, articles um, that I write um, about some of these coming worldview shifts. But next week, um, as we celebrate our fifth, this will be next week, will be our fifth anniversary as an independent church. South Spring Baptist Church will have existed for five years as of next Sunday. We're going to ask Jim Dennison. He, he, has, he has agreed to come and speak next Sunday morning um, to help us celebrate that about these conversations, the kind of things that he thinks the, fa the church is going to be facing um, over the next generation. So again, we've got this pretty exciting uh, stuff coming up on Sundays and then during the week, as Paul referenced, all the things are starting back up and opportunities um, galore to get involved with that. Given that next week is our fifth anniversary, for the next few weeks, I want to invite you um, to write a prayer for South Spring. Um, to write a prayer for South Spring and email it to Elizabeth Smith. That's esmith um, at southspring.org. 
And if you'll send her that prayer, we're going to figure out a way to kind of incorporate that into some things that we're doing. So um, we'd love for you to do that, to write a prayer um, for South Spring and for your hopes and prayers for God's provision and protection um, over South Spring. And then we'll, um, we will compile those um, in some creative way that don't know exactly what we're going to be doing yet. All right, good. Um, uh, all right, so the, the, the joke that I had kind of put in here at the beginning is that as of November 1st, not only have we been a church now next week for five years, but I've been here as First Baptist South Campus and then as South Spring Baptist Church for 10 years as of November 1st, a few months ago, and I decided it was time for a little, for a DTR. Now, for the, for the older population, that's called define the relationship. It's a conversation young people have to have today because typically because the men are too cowardly to have a conversation about what the relationship is. And so um, the girl has to sit down and say, it's time that we have a DTR and, uh, and let's talk about what this relationship means. So one, men, st- step it up. All right. So guys, step it up. All right. And so uh, don't make the girls ask for that. Um, but, uh, you know, after 10 years, it's, it's time. Um, so... We talked a lot about the church last week, Um, the church, capital T, capital C, last week. And there are a lot of things I love about being a part of the church, being a stone in the spiritual building of the church, being saved by the work of grace, the work of grace of another, Um, an expert who knows every detail, who when, where, and why, who knows when, where, and why to save us. And even what all that means in ways that we will probably never know, certainly not this side of eternity. Um, Who loves me and loves you in ways and in degrees that I cannot, could not. Who maintains his perfect justice and wrath at the sin that ruins the lives of so many, which is right for us to hate the sin and the way it ruins people's lives, and it's right for him to hate that sin. Um, And at the same time provides a way of escape um, from the death and the wrath as well. I love having, as we learn in Mark 10, I love having a million homes around the world and a billion brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers and sons and daughters. Um, it's one of the most amazing experiences, if you've never gotten to do it, to travel to some total other part of the planet and discover that Jesus is already there and you run into a brother or a sister who it feels like your, your friendship for eternity started a long time ago, and yet this is the first time you're meeting. And the power of Christ in each of us to engage with the Christ in each of us is unbelievable. Um, and so I hope, I really challenge you, if you are not involved in relationships like that, make sure to develop those, find those, get involved. Um, and we'll talk more about those maybe <coughs> this morning or on the 30th. So, um, uh, it is, I love that billions have been fed and educated and clothed and loved um, in the name of the name of Christ that I claim. What, a, what an amazing thing that we get to be a part of that everywhere. I love being part of his body in which a win for every member, a win for any member is a win for every other member. What a wonderful picture that God creates for us. Every sermon preached, every diaper changed, every note played or sung, every penny given, every person counseled, Every hand shaken, every comfort spoken, every prayer uttered, every prisoner visited, every time the gospel had lived out in Jesus' name, that was us. It was the church. No one of us can accomplish this without how God has given us each other. We are His. Every single time, we all get partial credit for any of the work that any of us do in the name of Jesus Christ. That's a good team to be a part of. 
I love that we're able to accept our own flaws and imperfections and even grieve the errors and confess the sins together from misplaced and even evil efforts that come in the past. I'm still talking about the church, the cosmic church, the eternal church, the invisible church. I love that I can own and apologize and seek to fix the things without fear because I know it is He who is working in us. We have a long way to go, and I'm excited to be walking this short segment of the path of my lifetime with all the believers around the world today, continuing the path that Jesus started with 12 young men, and which will, if the Lord tarries, be carried on by the next generation that we help equip. There's so much more. But my focus today is not on the church. That was last week. It is on this church. I love this church. I have not always loved every church I've been a part of at the local level. Even the ones I've worked in, many of them have been a, a, an act of, uh, I guess I have loved them. I've not enjoyed them. <laughs> put it that way. Some of them have been incredibly difficult to work within and to watch the fighting and the struggling, to see the politics and the pain that so often is created when human beings come together. That's true. There's a lot of things I love about this church, and I bet there's a lot of things that you love about this church. I thank God for graciously letting us be a part of his church. As we proclaimed in every song this morning, God, you're so good. Amen. So what do I love about us? I've been preparing my answers, and I've got lengthy answers, obviously. Um, but I want to ask you this. What do you love about this community? Um, we're going to have some guys on some mics uh, to go around. And whether you're a first-time guest or a founding member or whatever, um, I want to get your answers. I want to use that, your answer signal which thoughts I go into um, first as well. Um, in the most important sense, we are not more special, we're not exceptional, um, that more special, more exceptional than any other church. This is church. Um, and so where this is not about a question of competition, this is a question of appreciation. What do you experience that Christ has done here and is doing here? Um, and so, now you may be thinking, if you're not a part of this church, wow, does this sound much like a leading question? What do you love about this church? Yes, it is and I don't apologize for it. Um, we know we're imperfect. We know we're dysfunctional. We know we drop balls and forget each other and disappoint one another all, all the time. Um, and we're happy to have those conversations as well, but for now, we're going to stick with our leading question, which is, what do you love about this community? Um, let's see. Because of the big part of what I'm asking is this, are we the kind of church that's going to make it through the wilderness? Identity is what carries us through and what will carry us through. Feel free to use the language, I want to thank Jesus for giving us whatever it is that you're about to say. And I am going to ask that you keep it to just one or two sentences. Um, a lot of times we do open mic stuff 13, 14 minutes later, and you have, and listen, this is not personal, you have no idea you did that. I know you don't. I know you have no idea that you just did a mini sermon in the middle of the sermon. You ask people afterwards, they're like, how long do you think you spoke? Like, oh no, a minute? Yeah, 13 minutes, how long you spoke. So it gets awkward for everybody even if it's not for you, it is for everybody else. So just two or three sentences. Um, do not continue on to four sentences. Five is right out. All right, ready? Um, what are your, what, uh, let's see some hands and somebody will run over to you and, and give you this and then uh, we'll do a few answers and then I will, uh, then I'll take over and teach for a few minutes. Yes, ma'am. You in the front. It's on? Hello. Yeah. There we go, good. I have just been blown away by the community that we have found in small group and in the individual members of the church. Great. Cut to number eight. 
Let me teach about that. Um, who we are when it comes to that. Number eight, the heading of discipleship. Equipping a new generation. How we come together in friendship. Second Timothy 2, 1 through 2 says this. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust of faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is what discipleship is. And by the way, don't worry about the, the word men there, men and women. <coughs> Sorry. Psalm 71, 18 says, So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those who come. One of the things that's been interesting is when we have older people join the church, they will very often say that the reason they're joining the church is because of how young the church feels. And part of the way that works is we want you here and we want you therefore to be teaching and discipling and educating. Let this prayer be yours. Don't let God send you to the grave until you have faithfully proclaimed who he is. We do have a lot of children here and a lot of people who work with the children. Um, we averaged this last year 137 preschoolers a week. And remember, this is while coming back from COVID. 78 grade schoolers a week and 22 preteens a week. We have about 200 leaders and teachers who have scheduled to lead and teach them. In our current format, we need about 300. Now, we have a new, a new process that we're looking at doing, and some of you are going to be getting an email if you haven't already about this. And that's the idea of dedicating yourself to a class. When I grew up, Miss Pat taught my grade, taught me every year. She was my, my teacher in first grade and second grade and third grade and fourth grade and fifth grade. Now she aged up with us and was our teacher all the way through. Kids love that kind of consistency. It means a lot to them. And so we're going to challenge some people to step up and say, you know what, every Sunday we're going to be over there working with kids. We don't need a rotation. Sure, sometimes we'll be out, we'll find a sub, sickness or traveling or whatever, great, that's fine. But to say, you know what, these are my kids. Or this is my age range. I'm going to do second graders. I'm going to keep doing second graders until they bury me, and which would be beautiful. I think that's a wonderful thing. And when you have that kind of courage and commitment, I think that's good. So you be looking for that, to encourage that in us. For students, Sunday morning, we average about 85 students, which is crazy. Sunday night, about 65, and Wednesday night, 115. That's on average, and it takes 51 adults every week to work in student ministry. Our church, to catch you up, which our attendance was way up over 2020. I'll let that sink in for a second. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously. Um, during uh, the snowpocalypse, we had 30 people show up. Congratulations. We should have taken names. Um, we've had 38 baptisms this year. Um, we have 100, about 1,200 total members and seven to 800 attend most Sundays. We had 111 new members um, than that this last year. And during the same year, we had about 23 families transfer out. Now, the, the, that's, you go, didn't share that one. Um, listen, one of the signs of a healthy church is when people leave for good reasons. Many of these people left to go be with families. Many of these people left to go into ministry, different roles of ministry. And many of them, and we don't consider this a bad thing, many of them left in, because of a neighborhood connection that they had, and they wanted to go to church as a part of their neighborhood connection. And that neighborhood connection was developed during COVID, during these different things. That's not a bad thing. Every one of these 23 families went to a Bible-teaching church, mostly local ones. And that's a celebration, not something that we, that we suffer through. We're, we're excited for, for people who make those calls and make those right decisions. Um, 
So small groups, let me let you know about small groups. Since you mentioned that, let me let you know what's coming up. Um, life groups coming up this year, check this out. We've got a bunch of them. So on Sunday mornings, we have verse by verse every both, both hours, a verse by verse study both hours for everybody. Biblical principles and blended families. Um, we have also, then you also have the, the, the kind of traditional Southern Baptist life stage uh, and age grade kind of uh, classes. We have those. We have honeymooners. And you can figure out, uh, I'm not going to go into which age range, because we're not real picky about that. I mean, if you go to the different age range, no one's going to kick you out. But uh, you can figure out kind of from the names and the order that I read them what age they are. So the honeymooners, the young families, the parents of teens, the legacy builders, and the prime timers. Okay? That's everything from newly married all the way to the end. Um, then we have uh, a cr- a cradle to grave is our, mo- is our mode, of, uh, mode of operation around here. That's what churches do that no one else can do. Okay, if not Sunday mornings, we also have, <laughs> I'm not looking at David. Um, uh, not Sunday mornings, we have special need families. Uh, these are all small groups, uh, life groups that meet. Special need families, identity and sexuality, life 101 parenting, posture of worship, grief share, a praying people, that may be the one I'm coming to, uh, regeneration, uh, college, we have a college study, a young professional studies, and a men of, the, men of the word studies, and dozens of other unofficial small group gathering and discipleship groups, which is really even more key. So I really want to encourage you. There are plenty of opportunities to have the small church experience within the larger church. In fact, if you're not having a small church experience, you're doing something wrong. You need to go to a small church, or you need to have the small church experience within the larger church. And we all need that. We also have seminars, uh, worldview conversations. Um, and we'll come back to that. <coughs> okay, another one. Sorry. Another one. Yes, sir. Am I good to go? Okay. You're good to go. <laughs> um, I've been to 30 different churches around this country, and it's not a given that a church is centered around Bible teaching. Um, And I really love that this church is seeking the truth and not an inspirational speech every Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, This is is vital, at core. And in fact, this will be a big part of what I teach on the 30th. That's number one. Um, Which is, and the verse we're going to look at on the 30th and really unpack on the 30th is Acts 2.42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. And so we're going to talk quite a bit on that day about what it means to study the teaching of the apostles, to study God's Word as authority in our life, not just a guide, not just inspirational, as you said, but as an authority in our lives. So that when we run into a scriptural passage, when when we disagree, when I disagree with what the Bible teaches I'm wrong. I can be wrong. Been wrong before. Wrong all the time. That's not a huge sin or crying to be wrong, but it does mean I'm wrong. Either my misunder- I'm misunderstanding what the Bible's teaching, or I'm understanding it correctly, and therefore what I believe is inaccurate. And we come to the Scriptures, though it's authority, and we'll continue to do so. So thank you. That's an important one. Another one. Uh, for me, I just want to praise Jesus for the oldest generation in this church, the way that they set an example in their uh, 
service and leading and pouring into the next generation, that just blows my mind of how much so many of them are, are pouring out and setting an example for us. Yes, I told you, Bob. This is a, um, this, this, so, who is that back there? Jordan. It's a Jordan. Um, how old are you, Jordan? 27. Um, so Jordan said, those of you who couldn't hear it, Jordan said, the, what, what blows him away or what he thinks Jesus for is the way the older generation is pouring into the younger generation. Um, then we're going to look at number, wow, this hits a couple of them. Let's go to number four. Um, this is um, one of the things we've spotted over the years and that we know from a generational cohort studies is that the millennial generation, so people about, uh, about Jordan's age and younger, um, the natural habit, and this is my, my oldest kids as well, is their natural tendency is to look at people my age and certainly people younger than me and see us as future disappointments. Okay? That's how they see us intuitively. It's like, well, yeah, he's married now, but he'll cheat. Well, okay, yeah, he's preaching now, but he'll fall. Okay, yeah, but now he's, and that's their intuition because they've seen it happen over and over and over again. They've seen it in their families. They've seen it in their friends' families. They've seen it in leaders. They've seen it in everybody. And so when you're of that age where you, where you have essentially been, you're able to say, you know what, we're probably pretty safe at this point. Probably made it. Now, again, we know from, from Ravi Zachariah and other people's stories that, that all of it can be, you can still, you never build your faith on a human, never, never. And yet to be able to follow somebody who has shown I'm there, I'm sure that's why that class, the legacy builders, are called the legacy builders, right? That's exactly the idea. And so if you are someone who's, who's been married 30, 40, 50 years, who's been, in the faith, been walking in the faith for several decades, who's been ministering at that time, don't think your time of ministry and shepherding and teaching is over. In fact, for the younger generation, in many ways, it's just begun. You no longer have to earn their attention They'll give it to you like that. Um, and so don't hesitate. You need to be, if you're of that generation, you need to go to John Sturrock and you need to go to Chris Sheridan and say, I'd be happy to speak just once for the student ministry. I'd be happy to speak just once for the, for the college ministry. I'd be happy to drive a bus or be involved in some way the kids get to interact with me. I'm telling you, this is, it is exactly the opposite now. Young people, when I go speak at young people's events, at camps and stuff like that, I'm just now getting to the point where the first half of the week is not me earning their attention um, because they're, they're not convinced yet that I'm just not going to blow it. Anyway, that's it's huge. Um, John 10, 11 through 13, this is the mindset. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is, not, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. For those of us who are members here, one of our mottos is that every, every member is a minister. Minister here means a servant, a worker, a shepherd. Someone who is invested, someone who is engaged, someone who is making a difference, someone who is serving and if need be, suffering. That's the idea. Um, everyone is serving. Now, the, the only caveat to that is you're either at this church, if you remember, you're either serving or you're resting. Some people come to our church and what they need is, is they need to rest. They've been hurt in the name of church or they've been hurt in the name of Jesus or they're just facing a hardship in life and they don't have anything left to give. 
Awesome. Make sure we know that so that we can come alongside and serve. We've actually had several over the years, pastors, right after retirement or during something else, come here just for a few weeks just to be here and kind of hide and be loved by people and welcomed by people before they go on to whatever God has for them next. And I, I find great joy in that. Missionaries do that as well. Everyone serves or you're resting. One of those two things is going on. So I've got a comment on our best stuff here is stuff that you guys are in charge of by far. By you guys, I mean non-paid church members. Um, the rest of the, the staff who are paid church members, um, when we start something within a few years, if someone doesn't take it over, we know to let it go. Just let it go. This is stuff that's vital um, to, the, to the leadership. And one of our best examples of that, um, and there's lots, a thousand little examples of it that I can't go into because we don't have time, but one of our favorite examples of that that we like to show off to people is the disc golf course, <laughs> which is 100% um, owned by Mike Strout. Not owned, I mean, it's the church's, it's Jesus's. But Mike is shepherds it all the time. He shepherds it nonstop, takes care of it, tends it. There are now other people, other ministries <coughs> this, this week, correct, so we have coming to us and saying, hey, who built your disc golf course? How do we get him to come help us with? Um, and so it's such, a great, it's such a great picture. This year we had the 2021 Women's Fall Classic. We had the 2021 Texas State Disc Golf uh, Tournament. I guess it was a tournament. Um, a state-level tournament. We have people who come from all over, um, all over the country. Um, at least more than a dozen states have been represented in people who Mike or others of us have run into out there playing. Um, several thousand games are played a year out there by people. A lot of discipleship goes on out there. A lot of people walking and talking and engaging. A lot of other things go on out there too, but they're on church property. And so we're hoping at least something's kind of rubbing <laughs> off on them a little bit, right? We're finding ways to present the gospel out there um, in more passive and active ways. Yeah? Green mic. I met a guy in Houston that knew our church because of our disc golf course, not because of our church. <laughs> right. I was like, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm a minister. I work in Tyler at uh, South Spring Baptist Church. He's like, oh, I played that golf, that disc yep. golf course. Yep, absolutely. During snowpocalypse, there were people out here every day. Not a single day was missed during when everything else was shut down. We, Paul and I said after meeting a guy one day, I wish I loved Jesus the way this guy loves disc golf. Like he, he literally ought to have him come teach a sermon on devotion. Um, it's unreal. So this is a, for us to find areas like that that we can shepherd and be passionate about and, and display our gifts and talents, um, it's a huge deal. It is good to be a steward of, these, of you people. It is awesome to be a shepherd of you. All of our staff would say so. It is an amazing thing. Um, Hebrews 13 talks about how it should be a joy to be a leader in the church. And it is a joy to be a leader at this church. I think every member of our staff would say that. Every member of the leadership board would say that. And this is something that our church does really well. And that is often led by the shepherds and the elders. And by elders here, I don't mean leadership board. I mean every church is led by elders, no matter what church it is, no matter what church politic they have. There's the tone is set by the older members and the founders of the church and is maintained by them, whether anyone sees it or not. I guarantee you that's what's happening. If you say, well, Chris sure seems to be able to get up there and freely express his joys and passions with the Scripture. You know why I get to do that? Because of the people who founded the church and lead the church and still communicate the tone of the church. You're exactly right, Jordan. That's vitally important. All right, what's another one? There are. I, like, I appreciate that uh, this is a 
place where oddballs are welcomed instead of being told like we're too loud. And there are people louder than me, so thank you. God bless you. <laughs> I'm trying to think of where to put that one. <laughs> no, it, it fits in a bunch. Hospitable. Uh, yeah, it certainly, I think it connects to hospitable. Um, let's go to that one. Let's go to number five. Um, Janine, I think that actually goes back also to those leaders. It's, it's a, it was funny to me. I had someone who I don't, I don't know that they really knew the church well. They had been here for a while, but I felt like they didn't really get us. And, and they're attending a different church, which is great. It's a great church that they're attending. And we met and talked about stuff going on in their lives. And he had this mindset of like, you know, sometimes I just, I just feel like that South Spring is a church of people who has it together. And, you know, it's a more wealthy crowd. It's a more well-off. It's a more whatever. And I was like, I, I mean, some of that, there may be some truth in that, but I just think, I think you're missing who we really are in a lot of ways. Um, I, I think we are, I think that is the truth of the matter is that, is that again, we are set up to be a place um, that, yes, is generous. We'll get to that. But is, is really okay with the fact that we are fallen, broken people and, and odd people. I mean, just my Monty Python joke a second ago, half of you laughed at it. I mean, it's, what audience does half the population laugh at, an, at a 40-year-old Monty Python joke? And yet, uh, the other half of you are like, wait, when did, I missed it. Um, that's a, okay, so 1 Peter 4, 9 says this, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. By the way, I love, I love the reality of Peter's reference here. The tendency is for us to, when we have to show hospitality, to be like, oh, I got to drive the golf cart. Man, it's cold today. Man, I don't want to, I got to do that. I got to, man, once again, I mean, I, I got to crank out 500 gallons of coffee on Sunday morning. That's exhausting. Or I got to, I don't want to greet at the doors. That's, that's embarrassing to greet people at the, the natural tendency is when we do be, when we, it is time for us to be hospitable. We're kind of grumbling about it because we want to go be with our friends. We don't have to greet the new people. We want to be with the people we already know. Um, and yet for us to break that, the generous, the, the, the Genesis 18 mindset of, <coughs> sorry, of welcoming and generosity we have so much involved in that. We have our kitchen teams, we have our greeting teams, we have our golf carts, we got ushers, we have our safety teams, we have the law enforcement and police who are here. Like this is, these are all aspects of hospitality and those are just the official ones. What really makes us hospitable is the fact that we should, if you're a guest here, you should be outnumbered 10 to one at least. And so you should be greeted so many times. If people, we're authentically glad you're here and if people miss it, it's just because they're stuck inside of their own heads and they're dealing with what's hard in their lives, which is understandable, and yet we've all got to on a Sunday morning, especially Wednesday night, Sunday night, be reaching out and greeting one another. Now, part of why we are more casual in our dress, certainly why we have food and drink um, here on Sunday mornings and other times, is all meant to make it easier to feel at home here. All make it easier to be here. That's why we don't charge to have people use the property here. We'll talk about that maybe in a minute. Why the fireworks and the Scott Fest and the Easter bashes, all, all huge successes this year. This year, they were successful, which is amazing to me, given all we've been through this year, is because people know they are welcome, and they experience that when they're here. Um, people were welcomed in Jesus' name, and the gospel was put in their hands, and that's what makes them a success, is those two things. Hebrews 13.2, the writer of Hebrews references, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Clearly, this is referencing back to that Genesis 18 passage, but I would also say, man, that's us. When we greet one another, uh, when we greet a new person who's coming, the writer of Hebrews is saying, man, that stranger who shows up at your home or at your church, they may, they may be 
an angel. And as we see from the Genesis 18, 19 to 20 passage, welcoming them well is pretty important. Um, you don't want to miss out on that. Um, some of them are wearing very, very good disguises. They don't seem much like angels when they come and visit. Um, but those are some of the ones we need to. Good. Uh, we got a couple more? Yeah, I, I am 62 years old, and I've been married for 40 years. And it, my husband worked in the oil field, so every five years, basically, in my married life, we moved. So I've gone to a lot of churches. And what I have found, uh, what, I, what I got here and I found, which I does, don't always find in the past, is that the group of people that I went into, Legacy Builders, is my central class, is an iron-sharpening iron class. Good. And I feel like uh, I get so frustrated at times when I go and I'm... So I was saved when I was nine years old. So what am I, 61 years old? No, wait, no, wait, 50-something years old in the Lord. Yeah. And so I I get frustrated when people aren't in love with the Word, and I found a class who it's iron sharpening iron, and I love that about this. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. The discipleship is actually being played out in our classes, in our education. We're constantly trying to train each other to be better in this. Excellent. That falls back under that discipleship. we got one over here. Yes, sir. So I want to thank Jesus for this community, um, for being so welcoming, especially in the youth service, and for everybody. We recently moved here from South Africa, and every week you just see the love of Jesus and everybody's welcomingness. Fantastic. That's what we love to hear. That's vital. We got one back here. Um, day for um, Paul. Um, for communing. Yes. Listen, for those of you who, who, uh, who don't know, so thank you to Paul for the communion. Um, uh, any week, well done. <laughs> um, we, we do communion uh, every Sunday morning at 840. And, um, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, my name is you. Blake. Thank you, Casey. I was like, Lacey, Casey, Macy. Um, uh, so Casey, Casey always has communion with us. And in fact, she's taught us a lot about communion. The first week that she came in late and broke into tears because we'd already done communion. And all of us looked at each other like, wow, what? We need to learn something about communion. That if I missed communion, would I burst out into tears? I should probably. And yet, and so anytime that, she, that she's late or like this morning we have baptism, and we can't, uh, and so we don't do communion on baptism mornings. Uh, so she and Paul take communion over there. The two of them do, and so um, that is exactly right. The type of uh, of leadership that we have, and the shepherding again that falls under so many of those things. Um, let me comment on a couple of things very quickly. So one to go back on a couple of things that I need to make sure I'm com- that I and we'll and we'll talk more about this on the thirtieth. We'll pick up the last few of these. So if you have a few more you'd like to share. You're welcome to send them in as well, <coughs> and we can share them. But a few things you need to know that are coming. So one is I mentioned the sabbatical, um, or my sabbatical. Rebecca had one already this year. Um, Paul had one finally last year. We, a lot of our, our ministry staff every five years or so are supposed to take um, between three and six weeks and, uh, and to do that. And so that's what I'll be doing during that time. It is a huge gift from the church to the staff that invests in us being here long-term. Um, uh, when I was coming, looking to be hired, I asked uh, a guy who had been pastoring for a long time, a guy named Pete Briscoe, like, what are some things I need to make sure I ask and mention? And he said, in the interview, ask the question, how long do you want it to be before you burn me out? And I quit the ministry. 
And I was like, well, no way they're going to answer that anything other than we don't want that. And he goes, right, exactly. It's a leading question again. And so I'm asked that question. And when they say, well, of course, we don't want that to happen. Then you say, okay, well, then we probably need to put some things in place. This church already had several of them in place, and this is one of them. Um, This is a huge gift. So there's that. (coughs) Two, um, we are going to be probably this year when I get back from sabbatical um, unveiling a, a capital campaign. Um, and so just so you will know, it's going to be about uh, ad- uh, hopefully making some additions to the student ministry building, as you heard from the numbers, um, and, um, and then also building uh, some space that is going to be office space for staff, because right now we're spread all over. In 10 years, we've never had um, really offices, and, then, uh, and have that also be adult education space du- duplicate. So here's why I'm just telling you this now. We'll have all the details in a few months We'll have all the normal stuff, probably a campaign title and pictures and and all that kind of stuff, Uh, absolutely. That being said, some of you don't need to wait for that. Some of you are like, I just need to know we're going to do it, and I will start donating to the building, the construction uh, now, and you can do that now. There's a a building heading on the donation, right? Okay, if you contact the office and let them know, they can go ahead and start uh, if you want to say, oh, no, I know I'm going to want to do that, so I want to do that. And I know that's some of you that you've said, hey, before, when we're going to, as soon as you know we're going to, let me know so I can start that. Well, I'm letting you know. Um, and then the other one is uh, that we are going to, you are going to be getting communication about um, this idea of, you know what, we work with children, and I, I want to claim, kind of claim a group of kids or claim a, an age range or claim a class or whatever and just be there week after week. And we know that's really valuable to students and kids, so we want to encourage you with that. All right, so next week, uh, Jim will be here, uh, Dr. Dennison will be here, and then um, and next week is the Devoted Sunday with uh, focusing on families and that kind of stuff. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that online. Is there like a registered trademark? Can I say the phrase focus on families? Like, is that... Anyway, so then the, 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 we're going to be focusing on the family next uh, in a few weeks. And then the next week, uh, we'll, be, we'll be wrapping up this section and then six psalms from six pastors, and then, Lord willing, Second Peter. Um, and you can be praying during that time as I'm trying to ask God's leadership on what to do after that as well. Um, thank you for being the kind of church that you are. Thank you that, we are, that, that Jesus has molded us into the kind of church that we are. There are plenty of things that I'd love to see God continue to do with us, um, and we're prayerfully asking him to do those things. Um, so I would ask that, that, that as we stand, and go ahead and stand, um, that you be in prayer for what God has, uh, God has for you here or in some other place. Um, if it's not here, wherever God leads you, um, a church that fulfills some of these things. Uh, we're so grateful for you. Let me read this passage from Isaiah 43. Read uh, verse 19 um, to wrap up our time today. As we do this time of invitation, if you would like someone to pray with you over in the corner or, or here at the, um, the altar, we'd love for you to do that. And then... Uh, um, but if you, <coughs> sorry, there it hit. If you've been through our welcome home process with Lance or whoever, and you're ready to come and join our dysfunctional family, we'd love to have you do that as well here in a moment. And, uh, but for anything else, just be listening to what the spirit has for you today. All right. Uh, Isaiah 43, 19 says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Okay, so.